Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you this week from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Natasha Cowden, also coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon, drops its requirement that all students sign a statement of faith. We'll have some details. Also, an update on sexual abuse within the Chi Alpha College Ministry. Victims are sharing their stories on a newly created website forum. And a church is threatening to sue if some of those comments aren't removed. Plus, we'll give you an update on how to give responsibly to disaster relief to folks working in Maui. We'll give you recommendations of who to give to and who not to give to. We begin today with news that the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability has terminated the membership of the Ankerberg Theological Research Institute, or ATRI, the producer of the popular apologetics program, The John Ankerberg Show. The ECFA first suspended ATRI back in the spring for possible failure to comply with its standards of financial integrity. We reported on that at the time. Uh, This termination, though, follows an investigation that determined Ankerberg, in fact, did fail to comply with some of its standards, including issues related to its board of directors and about clarity in communicating how charitable donations would be used. The review of Ankerberg's organization by the ECFA comes after a former fundraising executive at the organization went public with concerns about how Ankerberg used nearly $20 million raised for audio Bibles. Those concerns, too, were first reported in Ministry Watch, and later they were the subject of a lengthy front-page story in the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Well, let's move on to our next story. It's the sad news that a Texas pastor reported missing earlier this month has been found dead. Yeah, Philip Loveday is the pastor's name. He was the pastor of Faith Christian Center in Greer, Texas, and he also worked for the energy infrastructure company Kinder Morgan. He reportedly left for his Kinder Morgan job the morning of August 2nd in his company car, but never showed up for work there or at his church that evening where he was scheduled to preach. Loveday's disappearance sparked a community search. His church started a Facebook page to share information, post updates, and offer prayer, and it gained almost 8,000 followers in just five days. That's right, but on the sixth day, a sheriff's deputy found Love Day's body in that company car. Investigators said that he had been dead for some time from a gunshot wound, but they don't say whether they suspect foul play or not. He leaves behind his wife, five children, and one grandchild. For our next story, we're moving over to Portland, Oregon, where Multnomah University has dropped its requirement that all students sign a statement of faith to be admitted. That change begins with this fall semester and comes as the landscape of higher education continues to shift dramatically. 
Multnomah University comprises a few different subsets, Multnomah Biblical Seminary and School of the Bible, Theology and Ministry, Multnomah School of Professional Studies, and Multnomah Online University. This change only affects students enrolling in the Multnomah School of Professional Studies. Multnomah University previously operated as a covenant community, meaning they focused on educating only Christian students. Now the focus is on becoming a missional community where that will educate any student in a Christian context, regardless of the student's faith journey. In a statement on the school's website, it says, we believe there is a large group of students who want to learn in Multnomah's community, but have previously been excluded because of our admission structure. Still, Multnomah says that it will remain a distinctly Christian school and staff and faculty at the university are still required to sign a statement of faith and identify as practicing Christians. It will uphold a signed community standards agreement and integrate faith into all of its majors and will still require chapel attendance and required Bible course credits. As we've grown, its website says, we've realized that our distinctive lies in how we educate, not in who we admit. Multnomah is currently uh, has an enrollment of about 275 students for the fall 2022 school year. Warren, let's look at one more story before the break. It's an update on Bishop Stuart Ruck, a controversial figure in the Anglican Church of North America. He will be brought to a church court trial. That's right. The ACNA made the announcement Tuesday of this week. In July, a 10-person board of inquiry received a list of charges against Ruck, specifically about his ordination vows for conduct giving just cause for scandal or offense, including the abuse of ecclesiastical power and for disobedience or willful contravention of the denominational or diocesan bylaws. At least two-thirds of the board found that there was indeed probable cause to present Ruck for trial. So what does that mean? Well, it's a good question. The announcement doesn't actually include details about the specific charges made against him, uh, but there was another set of charges made against Ruck in June that was obtained by Religion News Service. On that list, members of ACNA churches cited seven cases in which Ruck is accused of either failing to prioritize victims in the wake of abuse allegations or knowingly welcoming individuals with histories of predatory behavior into ACNA churches without alerting church members. Ruck had admitted to making regrettable errors in how he handled allegations of sexual abuse by Mark Rivera. Rivera was a lay minister in Ruck's diocese who has since been convicted of felony sexual assault and felony child sexual assault. In July of 2021, about two years ago, Ruck took a leave of absence as bishop, but he returned uh, a little over a year later in October of 2022, despite an ongoing investigation into spiritual abuse allegations against him. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll take a look at a ministry sharing Christ and offering hope and a way out for women working in strip clubs. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll have that story and much more after this short break. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, the story we promised before the break, it's a story of a ministry called Sharing Hope. When Rachel Starr was 21 years old, she pleaded with God to use her. She had grown up in a pastor's home and her husband worked in a church. It was important for Starr herself, though, to find her own way to serve God. That's when she noticed an adult entertainment theater in southern Indiana that she drove by every day on her way to work. She says that she felt God calling her to serve the women inside. That led to an 18-month fast as Star prayed about how to minister to exploited and trafficked women. In 2008, she and several friends went to that very theater and asked the manager there if they could bring the women home-cooked meals. To Star's surprise, he agreed, and they continued to bring meals to the theater, and by the next year, they were serving 500 meals a week to women in 10 strip clubs across Louisville, Kentucky. In 2009, at the encouragement of her church, Star founded Scarlet Hope as a 501c3. Since then, the ministry has served more than 1 million meals to women. According to a 2003 study by psychologist Melissa Farley, 89% of women in the adult entertainment industry want to escape, but don't feel capable of doing so. Scarlet Hope works to provide resources to help women do just that, while also helping them transform their lives and follow Christ. The ministry has since expanded. Soon after the ministry was established in 2009, one of Scarlet Hope's very first volunteers moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, where she saw the same needs. Soon, Scarlet Hope was established in a second location there. And now Scarlet Hope has locations in 10 cities across the country. That's the mission we are on. Star said that every woman in the adult entertainment industry in America and maybe beyond will hear the gospel. Our next story involves Chi Alpha World Fellowship, a ministry we've covered before. What's the latest? In response to the sexual abuse scandals connected with Chi Alpha World Fellowship, survivors are now sharing their stories on a newly created website designed to give a voice to those who've been impacted. Uh, Chi Alpha Lion's Den is the name of the website. It's a forum that is bringing together uh, these stories in, their, in the hope of bringing comfort, 
uncovering and accountability for all those who have been abused within Chi Alpha. Those are the words, by the way, of Ronald Blooming Kemper. He was the graphic artist that created the website, and he spoke uh, with Ministry Watch. After speaking, though, first to Boss Chavigian, who is a sexual abuse attorney that works on church cases, Blooming Kemper decided to set up this forum to give survival, survivors of sexual abuse and spiritual abuse a place to commune. Since May, the website has had over 2 million page views and receives hundreds of stories from victims and advocates exposing the abuse that has spanned over 25 years, he said. Chi Alpha World Fellowship is a network of Christian ministry sponsored by the Assemblies of God denomination, and it has a presence on more than 300 college campuses. It's been the subject of scrutiny since several leaders associated with the ministry uh, have been implicated in sexual abuse uh, incidents in the past. At least two leaders associated with Chi Alpha have been arrested in recent months for sexual abuse. Warren, let's look at one more story before the break. And I have to say, it's one of the more unusual stories of financial fraud that we've covered in a while. Yeah, I think it is in part because of the amount of money involved. Uh, A con man with a previous conviction for wire fraud has been preying on members of a Florida church and fraudulently raised about $35 million from at least 60 different investors, many of them who are were elderly people and retired people. And he did that by creating an unregistered securities offering that he then asked uh, these unsuspecting victims to donate money, not donate money to, but invest money in, I should say. Between 2019 and 2022, Brent Seaman uh, promised church members that their investments would yield at least 18%, and in some cases as high as 48%. One of many signs, by the way, that they should have run the other way. And this could be a lesson, Natasha, to those of us listening. If you see a deal that is too good to be true, it most likely is. Uh, Some, though, went for the pitch and reportedly lost their entire life savings, at least according to a July 27th press release uh, that announced the charges. That press release was issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission. The church where Seaman and his wife, Jana, had been active members for years is Grow Church in Naples, a two-campus non-denominational church with weekly attendance of about 1,100, according to a 2021 Instagram post by Jana Seaman, who was also part of the scheme. The church teaches what it calls total prosperity, spiritual, mental, physical, financial, and social. And by the way, I should also mention that Ministry Watch reached out to that church as we were preparing the story. They were not accepting phone calls and no one responded to our email inquiries as well. And as you said, this is not the first time Seaman has been in trouble with the law. That's right. In 2001, Brent Seaman pled guilty to wire fraud in in, in Indianapolis federal court, and he was sentenced to 17 months in prison and had to pay over $900,000 in restitution. Uh, That, according to the Miami Herald, which is the newspaper that first broke uh, the Naples, Florida story. He filed for bankruptcy in 2014, leaving $14 million in unsecured debt owed to a long list of creditors who were victimized by that fraud. 
Well, Warren, we're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of Ministry News of the Week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We'd like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, the horrific scenes coming from Maui, now more than 100 people have died there, uh, confirmed dead, I should say, uh, have caused many of our readers to ask, how can I help? Now, that request, I should say, doesn't surprise me. Uh, when crisis hits around the world, as it has in Hawaii, Christians are often the first in line to help. And of course, that's a very good thing. However, uh, there's a reason the Bible tells us to love God with our mind as well as with our hearts. Uh, at times like these, we should engage both mind and heart. I've written an article uh, that we've posted online that um, outlines some of the things that you should be watching for uh, whenever you are trying to make a decision about giving to a ministry that does disaster relief. And we've recommended some individual ministries that you should give to, including one or two that we recommend you shouldn't give to. So obviously our listeners should read that article to get the complete lowdown, but can you name a few names? Who should donors support and who should they stay away from? Well, we're recommending, among others, Operation Blessing. Uh, it has our top financial efficiency rating of five stars and an A transparency grade. We also uh, give that ministry a give with confidence, donor confidence score. So Operation Blessing would be near the top of the list. Convoy of Hope, not quite as good. Uh, it has a four out of five star rating uh, in terms of financial efficiency and a donor confidence score of 64, which is just one one point below uh, our threshold for give with confidence. So unfortunately, we have a give with caution um, rating there, but it looks good in every other uh, category. And they have boots on the ground in Hawaii, so they know what they're doing there. We've also uh, are recommending World Vision and MAP International. MAP International in particular um, is providing disaster health kits in Hawaii. They can take first aid uh, kits, soap, other essential items. Um, in fact, uh, MAP International has, is one of our highest rated ministries of the entire 1,000 on our database. Uh, in fact, a couple of years ago, we gave them one of our Shining Light Awards, five-star financial efficiency rating, an A-transparency grade, and a give-with-confidence donor confidence score. And who should donors stay away from? Well, we're saying that they should stay away from Mercury One, which is a... Um, 
an organization associated with the popular conservative radio and television talk show host Glenn Beck. They've been aggressive in their fundraising efforts towards evangelicals. But in fact, Mercury One is not a Christian organization, and it's associated with other questionable organizations like Operation Underground Railroad and the Nazarene Fund uh, that we have written stories here about in the past. So we're recommending that Christians withhold giving from Mercury One, no matter how emotional and compelling the emails you get might look. Up next, we have results from our quarterly survey of ministry leaders. What are the latest findings? Christian ministry leaders still count fundraising as the most significant challenge that they're facing this year, even though most of them also say that revenue has increased over the past year. According to the July Ministry Watch survey of the 1,000 largest Christian ministries in the country, 32.5% name fundraising or revenue as their most significant concern and uh, over the next 12 months. Second to that was Uh, with a 30% score, is finding and keeping qualified staff. And that's a big change from just six months ago. Yeah, it is. Six months ago in January, when we did the same survey of the same audience, Ministry Watch found that those top two challenges were in fact reversed. At that time, 37% said that staffing was their biggest challenge, and just 33% said that fundraising was their most significant challenge. We also asked how ministries are feeling about the future. What did they say? When asked about revenue expectations for the coming year, about 75% said that they do remain optimistic. Uh, they That percentage actually has inched up a bit since January when 71% said they expected to see increased funds in the year ahead. They've also grown more optimistic about the amount of revenue that they expect to see. The percentage who expect to see growth in the 1% to 10% category has remained pretty steady at around 54%, but those who expect to see greater than 10% growth actually grew in the most recent quarter to 20%, up from 17% in January. So talk of a recession that we're seeing in uh, other um, news outlets, especially the financial news outlets, doesn't seem to have dampened the enthusiasm of ministry leaders, at least so far. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference? In May, Point Loma Nazarene University sent a team of eight students and two staff members to Australia and New Zealand for three weeks as part of its short-term missions program, Love Works. Students were hosted by Nazarene churches and led a youth gathering and served local communities with projects such as yard work in Australia and New Zealand. By the way, uh, Point Loma Nazarene University has an A transparency grade from Ministry Watch and a donor confidence score of 72, which means give with confidence. And we were stick with Nazarene schools. Mount Vernon Nazarene University's Board of Trustees has elected Carson Castleman to be its eighth president. Uh, He'll replace Henry Spaulding, who announced his retirement back in February. Castleman will begin his tenure in October of this year. And by the way, Mount Vernon Nazarene University has four stars, a C transparency grade and a donor confidence score of 67, which means that it too, though barely, is in the give with confidence category. Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go today? 
Well, just a quick reminder that Ministry Watch itself is a donor-supported organization. And if you make a gift during the month of August, you'll receive a digital subscription to World Magazine as our thank you. A digital subscription to World would cost you $50 if you went to their website and bought directly, but you get to decide how much you give. Uh, Though, of course, we hope you'll be generous. Uh, Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Daniel Ritchie, Jessica Ederalde, Catherine Post, Bob Smetania, Kim Roberts, Christina Darnell, and you, Warren. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.